This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Genesis chapter 32, verses 22 to 32. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jobbuk, He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint, and he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Penel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him, and he passed Penel, limping because of his hip, Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lauren. Um, We're on the second week of Advent series that we're going through, uh, and the, the name of our series is All I Want for Christmas. You know, Christmas in this season is when we often think about the giving gift, and also receiving the gift. And so in our series, as we go through, we want to bring this idea of all I want for Christmas and ask that question to the people from the Old Testament. Like, what would you want for Christmas? And as we do, what we hope and what we want is to have a a perspective on what Christmas is really about and remind us the gift that you and I have in Christ. Um, Christmas is coming. Um, I'm learning these days that Christmas is actually not big in Korea as it is in other countries. Um, I heard that, you know, like some countries, you guys have a like seven-day week of holidays or something like that. You know, but still for me, um, we don't have that seven days holiday, but still growing up as a child, I still remember like anticipating this Christmas and, and counting that day because that was the day that I get the gift, like from the Santa Claus. And usually what I uh, really long for was Lego. I'm not sure if you know like Lego. Um, and somehow that Lego arrived like on Christmas Eve. And, and I was really happy. But as I get older, um, there are some changes, of course, um, that I face. One Lego does not arrive anymore. Um, it stopped at some, at some point in my life. I don't remember when it was, but at some point in my life, Lego didn't arrive anymore. But more than that, um, I think I started desire a different type of gift. Um, you know, Lego is not the gift that I want anymore. I, I, I still appreciate um, material gifts. Um, however, Becoming an adult and 
experiencing more of life, you know, we, we start, we actually start wanting that can feel, something that can feel the deeper desire of our hearts. You know, for example, I heard that um, this Christmas, I heard that someone saying, I want someone I can spend this beautiful day together. Or I want to see my family this coming Christmas. And one of the, those things that talks about our hearts, one of those things uh, that I always hear from myself and from others is about the New Year's resolution. You know, because the Christmas is towards the end of the year. Um, and when we talk about this New Year's resolution, like we want better version of me. Uh, I want to change um, this coming year. I want to exercise more. And I want to change from this past year, from my old habit. And, and in, in other words, I think we want that fresh start, a new start as our gift. And especially when this year has been challenging or broken and you feel defeated by this past year, all the more, like, what we want as a gift is a fresh start and a new start, like, don't we? So this is what Jacob would probably want it. If we, if we ask him this question, hey, Jacob, what do you want for Christmas? Jacob in Genesis 32 probably will say that, you know what, I want, I want, start from, I want a fresh start from my past. You know, I've been running away, but yet my problem is not resolved. And it still haunts me. And I want a new start. I want a fresh start. That's probably what Jacob would say if we asked that question. But today's sermon is not about a fresh start. Today's sermon is actually about the new identity. Because what we will see from our passage is when Jacob is asking God for to resolve the problem of his life, problem that comes from his past, what God is giving to him, the God's gift to Jacob, is the new identity in him. We'll see, we'll read that God changes his name, and God redefines who he is, and God is announcing new identity for Jacob. So this is the idea that we want to look at today as we um, read when all I want for Christmas is a new start, God gives you new identity. Today, um, as we look into Genesis chapter 32, I just want us to like, meditate and ponder on um, the things from our passage. And then two things that we want to meditate on and ponder on is one, like what we want for our lives, what we want for our lives, and the second, we want to look at what God wants for our lives, which is a new identity. So first, our wants. You know, let's jump into our passage and read one more time, uh, verse 22 and 23 and 24. Um, I'll be reading it for us. So if you look at the Bible, verse 22, our verse starts like this. The same night... He, Jacob, arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok 
And he took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. So our passage, the story that we read today, is what happened on this same night in verse 22. And what night was it? You know, in order for us to know what night was it, I'll just explain a little bit about Jacob's story. You know, Jacob was returning home after 20 years of on the run from home. And why did he run away? Like, long story short, he cheated his brother twice. And, and he cheated his blind father to get a blessing of the first child, which was very important um, at his time and culture. And, you know, this made his brother Esau furious. And Esau was telling people that he's going to kill Jacob. He's going to kill Jacob. So that's why Jacob ran away. Uh, because, and now he is returning home after 20 years of spending his life with Uncle Lavan. So on his, on his way back home, Jacob actually sent the messengers to his brother Esau to let him know that he's coming back and also to get some favor from him. Um, you know, it's been 20 years, and, and the messenger came back, and he's telling Jacob that, you know what? Your brother is coming to meet you, but he's coming with 400 men with him. And the Bible does not say why Esau was coming with 400 men with him as, as he's like welcoming his brother, um, but it says what Jacob felt about it, how Jacob interpreted it. So the same chapter, we didn't read it today, but verse 6 to 7, it says like this, you know, messenger says, like, we came to your brother Esau, and he's coming to meet you, and there are 400 men with him. Then, verse 7, Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. He was terrified. He was so afraid because he thought that Esau is coming to kill him. And that's the only reason that he could think of, oh, like he's coming with 400 men. He still didn't change his mind. He still changed, didn't change his heart. He's still after me, and he's coming to kill me. And it was that same night that before he faced his brother Esau, the same night that he heard that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. And that was the night that our passage began. And I just want to mention a little bit more about Esau here, because what book of Genesis tells us that Esau was not just a brother. Esau was not just one of brothers that uh, Jacob has, but you know, we know that he was a twin brother that affected the course of Jacob's life in many ways. You know, one, from the very beginning, when uh, Jacob was born in the mother's womb, Jacob and Esau were struggling. They were struggling. And Esau came out first. And then Jacob came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. It's, it's the story from Genesis 25. So that's how his name was decided. 
That's how his identity was decided. Jacob, um, the name of the Jacob is um, hill grabber because he was grabbing the Esau's hill when he was born. So that's why he was named like Jacob. And the Jacob also meant in, in Hebrew idiom, uh, like hill grabber, hill grabbing also like meant for like deceiving. So his name and his identity was decided as he was grabbing his brother's um, hill. Jacob, your name is Jacob, hill grabber. Your name is deceiver. And later on, Jacob exploited his brother's hunger to make him like, sell the birthright as first, first child. You know, he disguised himself. Jacob disguised himself and he pretended to be his brother Esau to get a blessing from his old blind father Isaac. And in, in, in that way, like, Jacob cheated Esau. And like I mentioned, Fury's brother Esau was telling him that as soon as my father passed away, I'm going to kill Jacob, who stole my right. And Jacob ran away, leaving his father and mother. Who knew how long it would be? But he spent 20 years of wandering and running away. So entire life, you know, Jacob was in some way striving with Esau. And that formed who he is. You know, his relationship with Esau, what happened with Esau gave his name Jacob, hill grabber or deceiver. And what he did to Esau, cheating him, became actually part of his character. And what happened with Esau decided the course of his life for 20 years. For from the very beginning, Jacob's identity was defined by his relationship with his brother Esau. Esau was what really defined who Jacob was and his identity. And this is what Jacob is facing at this night, the same night. He's, he's facing this unresolved past that defined who he is. Though we know that he was physically away from his brother for 20 years, probably what we know is that Jacob's, just listening from Jacob's response, like being frightened and afraid, what we know is that he was really never free from his brother. And he comes back right away as he heard that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 men. And there, as he faced this problem, he is alone. He knows that his family probably will not understand what it is. And the wealth that he accumulated probably won't be able to fix this problem. And, and that's where Jacob was at. And I, and I, and I just want to ask you, isn't it, isn't it what's happening in our lives often? Look at the people on your right and left, or look at yourself. Like we seem okay outwardly, but deep in our hearts, we're still defined with many things from our past. You know, it could be the hurt that you received from your parents, or it could be the sin that was never resolved 
or the guilt that you carry in your heart or mistakes that you've made and regrets deeply or the tragedy that happened in your life. And that is what still defines who you are, forms how you live, and how you respond, how you feel, and how you act in your daily lives. There are those things that shape who we are, our identity. I, I know one of our church members, um, I, I, um, I got the permission to share her story. Now, her story is like this. You know, she has a deep anger issue with her mom. You know, being an immigrant family, she had this anger towards her mom with all the things that uh, she did to her, uh, that her mom did to her. So she, run, she ran away uh, when she became an adult. She ran away from the country that she grew up and came to Korea. And then praise God for um, she really came to know God while she was staying in Korea, experienced his, gracious, um, you know, his grace and his leading in, in that journey. There was a huge restoration in her soul and healing of the hearts at that journey in Korea. But when she thought that she really like, grew in Christ and, and she met her mom again and she discovers this anger and frustration comes back. And she realized that whenever she meets her mom, like it comes back again. And not only it comes back, but it becomes the thing that drives her heart, how she feel, how she speak, and how she act. You know, for her, what her mom did to her and how she raised her, the mistakes and brokenness that she experienced as a daughter that was still defining like, who she was. And even though she was physically like, away and she was experiencing God's leading and restoration, um, there was that unresolved past that she had to deal with. And she realized that what she really wanted was not just physical runaway from the past or from the family, but what she really wanted was a true freedom of heart, a fresh start, just like Jacob was wanting for his life. And that's not just Jacob's story, and that's not just this sister's story, and often, I believe, it's, it's our story, isn't it? And we, we all know that it's the heart of our desire, the desire of our heart as a broken people, sinful people who live in the broken world. Like when we are honest with ourselves, when we are more aware of sin and brokenness, that's what really won in our hearts. We want to be free. We want, to that, we want to have that fresh start, new start from our past sin and our brokenness that formed who we are. And this is what we want as a broken people. And what God's want, we want to see what God's response to our desire for that fresh start or new start. His answer 
is giving himself to us. When we want the fresh start and we want to have freedom from our past, his answer for us is him meeting us. He wants to see you and he wants to meet you where you are. And when our desire is to run away from our problem or resolve our issue, the God's gift for us and for you is God himself meeting you and he wants to meet you where you are. And that's what we read from um, our passage. So I want to continue um, our uh, passage today, verse 24. If you look at the, your Bible, it says like this, And Jacob was left alone, and the man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, Jacob was left alone, like I said, and suddenly a man appears, and, and they wrestle. Jacob probably had no idea. We had no idea. It doesn't say who it is, but it's just he just appears, and he started wrestling with Jacob. So Jacob probably had no idea who it was. And it was the night, and he couldn't see um, anything clearly. But Jacob just had to wrestle with this guy. Don't know why, but what we know and what we read is that the neither one was winning. Um, the wrestling like, continued until the breaking of the day. We, we, we read that neither one was winning, but it's later on as we read that Jacob somehow refers him, refers him to God. Jacob is saying that, oh, I saw God's face this night. And so he named that place Peniel. And when do you think that Jacob noticed that he is actually wrestling with divine being? Or he's actually wrestling with God? It's probably when this guy touched his hip socket. You know, imagine, imagine that you're wrestling. I'm not sure if you have ever wrestled. Um, imagine you're wrestling and you want to put someone's like, hip out of joint. What, you should, what should you do? But what I know is that touching is not enough. If you want to put someone's joint out, touching is not enough. You need to like smash it to do that. But this man here is not smashing Jacob, but he's just touching Jacob's hip, and it was put out of joint. And at that moment, J Jacob probably realized a few things. Like one, he probably realized, oh, this guy is actually much, much stronger than me. He's not just an ordinary man, but he's divine being. He must be God. And on top of that, more important, Jacob probably realized that this wrestle match continued until the dawn, but not because he was equal with him in strength, but it was just because this guy was limiting himself, limiting his power, and letting Jacob like, wrestle with him. You know, this wrestle with Jacob and God 
It wasn't peaceful conversation. It was like literally a wrestle match. It was rough. And, you know, Jacob ends up with like injured hip and he couldn't walk. But what we know is that God was meeting Jacob. And as he met Jacob, he was limiting himself, limiting his power, and even hiding his face at night to meet Jacob where he was at. And meeting God can be experience of wrestling. I think it wasn't always this peaceful and um, pleasant experience. You can wrestle with God, and you may feel you're going back and forth with God, and you may even feel that you're injured as you wrestle with God, with the problems in your life. But you know what? The wrestle with God itself, it's the gift that God is giving you. Because the only reason that we can wrestle with Him as we face our problem of our lives, it's not because we are strong enough to wrestle with Him, but it's because He allows Himself to us. Because God meets us where we are. And, and through this wrestle, what we also know is that God is redefining his identity. What Jacob does, you know, as I continue to read the passage from verse 26, you know, but Jacob says like this, I'll not let you go unless you bless me. And this guy was telling Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? And, and Jacob says simply, Jacob. And this guy said again, and he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. When Jacob asked for blessing to this man, that he realized that he is God, he was asking for the solution for Esau. But God's response to Jacob was, what is your name? He's asking, like, who you are? And what is forming your identity? And here, Jacob, Jacob cannot, couldn't pretend to be someone else as he did before his father. And Jacob couldn't exploit God as he did with his like, hungry brother Esau. But what he could do was simply accepting his identity and who he is. And he's saying, I am Jacob. I was the one who deceived and cheated. And that's the path I walked. And that's who I am. That's my identity. And that's that moment when Jacob is simply accepting that. That's when God redefines who he is. God is saying to Jacob, you know, it's not anymore what happened between you and Esau that defines who you are, but it's what happened tonight, what happened between you and me, this wrestle, and this will define who you are. Your name is Israel because you wrestled with me and prevailed me tonight. And you know, this is the picture of Advent. This is the picture of coming of Christ. When, when Jesus was born, he didn't come as this figure with power and majesty. 
but he chose to be born as a baby, came in manger. In Isaiah 9-6, the passage that we read at the call to worship today, for to us, child is born, to us a son is given. And he limited himself and his power so that he can meet the sinners where they are. And Jesus spent his time with sinners, broken people. You know, he had difficult conversations with them, and he wrestled with them. And he, he allowed others to come to him and wrestle with him. And that's how Christ came to us in a form of baby. And he didn't make sinners to pretend to be righteous. And he didn't make sick to pretend to be healthy. And he's not asking us like, to pretend our past path was all good or shiny. But he simply asked us to come and tell him, this is who I am and I need you. The application, as, as we wrapping up this time, the, the final application that I want to give you is this. Wrestle with Him. Because that's the way that we allow God to define our identity. As you wrestle with Him, you know, tell Him, God, you know, my relationship with my sin or my relationship with my brokenness or how I lived in my past, that has been what's de defining my name, who I am. But now I want to, I won't let what happened between you and me define who I am and my identity. And I know that Jesus, you died for me, and I believe what you did for me. And I, I now pray that that will define who I am. The Gospel City, as you wrestle with Him, my prayer and my hope is that you'll find out that God already changed your name on the cross. He, he changed our name from sinner to be righteous. He changed our name from prostitute to the rightful bride. He changed our name from slave to son. And this is a new identity that is gifted to us in Christ as we, as we trust in his name and as, as we put our hope in his. So do not be afraid to wrestle with him. He is allowing himself to meet you where you are and he's giving himself so that we can wrestle with him and he will give that new identity, remind us, and, and put it in our heart as we wrestle. So let's pray together. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.